0: into the content here we have the technologies and first up let's take a look at connectivity and there are lots of ways that connectivity can be achieved with edge computing but also can you tell us more about how connectivity is taken into account when choosing the connectivity uh, of choice for edge computing
1: sure the first thing is that uh, everybody loves wireless because there are no wires to connect and, uh, but the issue with wireless is uh, the, the quality of service and the cost. Uh, if, let's say, for example, you are trying to uh, deploy edge computing in a factory, so you have all these sensors on all this, uh, all this machinery, and uh, you are collecting all this data, doing some processing right at the machinery, and uh, taking some insights from that processing and sending it elsewhere. So in that case, what should you be using? Should you use uh, Wi-Fi or Bluetooth or, or fiber or uh, uh, some, wired, uh, some other sort of uh, copper wire network or uh, something like uh, GSM? And again, uh, like I said, that we would like to use wireless, uh, but wireless has issues. For example, in a factory, if you have these 10,000 different devices uh, communicating even to uh, a hub, uh, you know, lines get crossed. Uh, So when we talk to people who are trying to deploy edge computing in factories, uh, many of them, they they had some very, very uh, scary stories about using wireless connectivity, and they ended up using... Uh, a copper wire network or or something like a fiber so uh, uh, the technology that you use it depends upon uh, where you're using it. Um, another example will be let's say uh, if you're trying to deploy something for uh, an uh, agricultural application so in that case uh, let's say you're trying to to, to monitor certain things, whether uh, it's, it's your uh, livestock or, uh, or uh, some you're trying to collect some plant-based based information. So over there, again, uh, the situation determines what you can and cannot do. For example, in that case, you may not be able to use GSM because there may not be uh, a public GSM service available over there. You may not be able to use Wi-Fi because of the range issue. Uh, you can't use fiber, certainly, because uh, with livestock, you, you don't want a fiber uh, coming out of uh, every cow that you have. Uh, so what do you do? You know, satellite is an option. Uh, uh, you may use uh, something like uh, LoRa. Uh, it's a cheap technology, uh, and uh, you can you can develop your own local network for that. So again... Uh, it, it, it's it's uh, it's this this decision. What kind of connectivity you want to use, and what are the pros and cons? Uh, what are the what is possible? What is not possible? It just varies. It just varies from uh, from situation to situation. And finally, let's say if you have a medical application, let's say it's a telehealth application in which you are trying to uh, monitor certain patients. So. You know, over there, reliability is a, is a much bigger issue as compared to, let's say, an agri-tech issue. Uh, or privacy is a much bigger issue as compared to uh, uh, a uh, factory situation. So uh, it, it, there, are no, there are no straight answers. So you have to figure out, uh, you know, how much money you have, what are the constraints as far as security and power and things of that order are concerned. Do, do you want mobility or you should do not want mobility? So keeping all those things in mind, and finally uh, <clears throat> uh, 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 there, there are certain technologies uh, which, are, which mesh easy with certain other related technologies, not, not uh, communication technologies, other computational technology or something of that order. So uh, it just depends upon the situation you have. Uh, one of the things that's happening right now is for example, some uh, microprocessor manufacturers, they are including uh, some sort of uh, uh, communication technology uh, on the same chip. So it could be they're including maybe Bluetooth or Wi-Fi or or LoRaWAN or maybe GSM. So those things uh, uh, are happening, which are making uh, our life a little easier. But still, uh, it, it just varies from one situation to the other, what technology you are able to use for a given project.
0: Great, thank you, Altoff. And next, let's take a look at computing types. And so there's the cloud, there's fog, there's mist, there's mech. Chuck, will you tell us more about the different types of computing and if you use one or do you use several of these types in an edge solution?
2: Certainly. Uh, first of all, uh, some of these terms are more marketing terms than a rigorously defined network architecture. So Fog, for example, is a thing that was coined by Cisco, used by him for quite a long time. And then recently Cisco's kind of backpedaled on that and decided just to call it Edge as a simplification. Uh, Mist, I think, is uh, associated mostly with some academicians, Carnegie Mellon University, as I recall. And MEC is associated with a particular ETSI standard, which is almost exclusively used by cellular network operators at the base of their 5G infrastructure. So all of these can do the edge computing job that you want to do. Sometimes the edge computers are a little shallower in the network, a little closer to the cloud, could argue fog is like that. Sometimes they're in the intermediate layers of the network, like MEC might be, and sometimes they're pretty deep in the network, uh, very small, sort of modest computing, but a lot of it, and that's what missed computing is about. So as I mentioned, edge computing tends to be a hierarchy of layers, and the different types of edge computers could be optimally deployed on different layers of that network, depending on if you need big honking GPU-enabled heterogeneous computers to manage huge workloads, or you need a thing that's going to just run a couple of door locks and a security camera for your front of your house. Uh, Very different depending upon what applications you're interested in. All of these different edge technologies have their place in the networks. And I would predict that eventually it's all going to kind of blur and morph together into a fairly heterogeneous view especially from the software perspective of what's running where doesn't have to get we don't have to get all crazy about is that running on a Mac or is that running on a fog it doesn't matter what matters is that it is a few kilometers away from the sensors actuators and end users as opposed to a few thousand kilometers away which would be the case for the for the cloud And that has significant latency and data bandwidth, uh, reliability, trustworthiness implications. So that's what we should really focus on.
0: Thank you, Chuck. And next, let's take a look at edge architecture. And for edge architecture, there are the edge nodes and devices, and then there's the edge servers and gateways, as well as the access networks. And then there's the cloud and end systems but altov can you tell us more about how this edge architecture plays a part in an edge solution
1: yeah again <clears throat> this is uh, uh another thing which varies from project to project from application to application uh so you, what what you see in front of you right now is is a, is a complete system and uh many times you have uh different other technologies that uh, you're thinking about deploying and you have to make a decision whether you want to deploy it on the the edge nodes or you want to deploy it in the gateway or you want to deploy it in the cloud. Uh, For example, uh, the use of machine learning solutions is is becoming quite common in, in such systems. So where should you be deploying machine learning? should it be right at the edge or somewhere in the middle on the gateway or it should be up uh, in the clouds so again it uh, it, uh, it 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 depends so for example uh, you know let's say you are collecting a lot of data you have uh, lots of edge nodes so when you when you put all that data together you know you need a really fat pipe to send all that data to the cloud so it'll be nice if you could do some processing at the edge You could do some edge computing at the edge to maybe figure out which of those data items that you have collected are important. And uh, if you could do that computing right over there at the edge, that means now you don't have to send so much data up in the cloud. Uh, Similarly, uh, let's say in a a factory situation, uh, you know, you have uh, many, many pieces of complex machinery. So... uh, you are collecting data from that machinery. So what should you do with that data? Should that, should you should just collect that data and send it to the gateway and the gateway consolidates it to send it to the cloud? So again, it depends. Uh, uh, in, in some situations uh, you want to monitor the machinery for catastrophic failure, for example. So in that case, if you are collecting data, you don't want to send it to the cloud. You want to do at least some processing over there so that if something goes wrong, you're able to maybe stop the system right away. <clears throat> so latency is an issue. So in that case, uh, you know, it'll be it'll be it'll be better to deploy uh, uh, some of your technology right at the edge. Uh similarly, <coughs> excuse me, uh cloud uh Many times when we deploy AI at the cloud we are able to look at for example a factory at a macro scale and maybe take some strategic decisions because now we have uh, data available from everywhere from our factory so again uh, where uh, how what determines the architecture it's it's the application it's it's what you are trying to do so Uh, In in a simple case, what I will do is I'll put some safety critical stuff right on the edge nodes, and I'll put strategic decision-making right on the cloud, for example.
0: Great. Thank you, Alta. And next, let's take a look at the advanced technologies, and IoT is a big one for edge computing. Chuck, tell us why.
2: Well, certainly with the IoT, we are putting sensors and actuators out there among physical infrastructure in order to help us understand what's happening in those physical processes with sensors and enabling us to take a look at uh, controlling those things with actuators. So, for example, if I'm working to control a petroleum pipeline, I may have sensors that are watching the flow and the pressure and the temperature. And then I might have actuators in the form of valves and pumps that are adjusting the performance of that pipeline in response to those sensor readings. That system might be really stable if I have an edge computer that can close that loop in a few milliseconds, but it might go unstable. It might start to oscillate or it might not react fast enough to prevent damage. If I have to send that data off to a cloud computer, maybe 250 milliseconds of latency away. So that's an example of how Edge is really important in terms of the latency of of IoT systems. I'll give you another example of how Edge might be helpful for the trustworthiness and resiliency of IoT systems. Let's say that I have a, a bunch of Edge computers, maybe MEC nodes at the base of my cell towers, and they're really not terribly involved in something like a 911 call. So if a consumer calls 911, it goes through the MEC nodes and it uh, gets passed through it to the cloud where information is made about you know where they are and what kind of services uh, from emergency crews they might need. And then of course it comes back down uh, through the potentially cellular infrastructure to talk to those firefighters, ambulance crews, and police that are, are driving around. Uh, Let's talk about what happens if the cloud goes down or the network to the cloud goes down because somebody with a backhoe plowed up a big fiber optic cable in the neighborhood. Uh, What can happen is that edge computer can jump up and say, ah, I don't have cloud connectivity anymore, but I do know enough about the people who are calling 911 and about the local emergency services that maybe I can fill in as a proxy for that cloud temporarily. So it can say, okay, there's a 911 call coming in. It can intercept that off the cell phone network. It can say, I kind of know from your GPS coordinates where you are. And it can say, I kind of know from the reported GPS coordinates of the police cruiser where they are, it can do some voice recognition and and dispatch that cop to you directly without ever having to touch the cloud. That's an example of resiliency provided by edge computing. That would be a very difficult application to, to host any other way
0: thank you very much chuck and looking at machine learning and all i know smart homes are a great example of how edge computing can be demonstrated and we talked during our smart home webinar about how you train a smart home but how do you train machine learning at the edge to happen how does how does that actually happen can you tell us more about that
1: Sure. Again, I'm sorry. The, the 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 answer always depends upon the application, mm-hmm. but in, in many cases uh, uh, we we do not do any training uh, in the edge node because uh, uh, in many cases the edge node is not powerful enough uh, to 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 be able to do any training over there. So what do you do? Uh, let's say. Uh, Uh, we we are trying to monitor something. Uh, Let's say we are trying to monitor the washing machines uh, in, in, let's say, uh, in in 100 homes or 200 homes or 500 homes. Uh, And uh, we want to predict failure for those uh, washing machines ahead of time so that we couldn't stop them before something catastrophic happens. So the data collection part, that happens at the edge. But then the data from all those 500 machines, it is collected and uh, it is sent to the cloud. So that over there, we are able to take all that data and probably build a single machine learning model uh, for the predictive maintenance of all those washing machines. (coughs) So in that case, we are not doing any machine learning as far as training is concerned at the edge node. All the machine learning is taking place over there up in the cloud. Uh, but once the model is built, then we deploy that model on the edge nodes. So, the, so uh, in machine learning, we have the training part and then we have the inference part. So inference part is much easier to do. It does not require uh, you know, big iron hardware. So we can easily deploy that on edge devices and use that to monitor uh, you know, that, uh, those, those washing machines. So uh, again, answering your question, normally these days, we do not do any training uh, at the edge node. The training happens elsewhere, but the inference part that is after the training is done and we have a a working model, uh, that is the inference. We can deploy that easily on these edge devices.
0: Thank you, Altaf. And Prasanta, can you tell us how digital twins play in with edge computing?
3: Yeah, definitely, uh, so so again, you know, I'll take that example of, of smart city, right, uh, so if you look at digital twin, right, it has the two-part story, On one part is the structure of the thing that it is, you know, is representing, so it could be, you know, a machine, it could be a building, it could be, you know, even a thermostat in, in that building, right, or it can be a car, right, so that's the structure part. And then there's the data part or the state part, right? The state part is basically where you are collecting the, this infinite stream of data that is coming up from that connected device. Remember, we talked about this kind of a highly uh, connected, hyper-connected system, right? And, and so when you see these digital twins, which, which is actually you know, taking that state data that is coming from that edge device, you know, the entity in the world, right? And tracking that replica in order to maintain that replica, right? It is continuously tracking the state of the device and also predicting as well as recommending. If you have human in the loop, right? Now, what is happening is that when you look at the DT, the digital twin, as a kind of a quote, I'll I'll use the word software, and this is a very important thing because when you look at the scale, the DT plays a very fundamental role, because what the DT does is it takes the modularity of the domain, right? And maintains the modularity and allows you to scale. Because you know what we talk, you know, when Adav is talking about this massive scale. If you do not, if you do not architect with that modularity, the domain-driven modularity, you are entangling things which will not scale, which will fail miserably. It is, this is based on my experience at DARPA, at startup, at Starbucks, at Equity Brands, you know, and today at Citizen, right? So so ability to actually create those DTs, which are continuously updating, and remember what, what Altaf was saying, that obviously it is training right? using the model, which is basically, if you look at what software 2.0 is basically saying, you know what, I'm going to program that DT using models, that ML-based model. right? Now now you think about the division of labor in an architectural sense, you got the edge, which is where the data is, right, and where you do not want to haul the data to the cloud, so you want to do the inference at the edge, right? But you want to use the, the cloud for actually do the training, right, and you want to deploy to a kind of, a, you can say in a, in a way of a master-slave kind of a relationship, right? You got the digital twin, right? Which is working with the rest of the guys being orchestrated, right? Making kind of what I call as the metal layer as such, right? And you got the edge twins, which are actually doing data compression, right, okay? doing kind of the event detection versus, you know, sending out data, just saying, hey, here's a tag data, right? So in this case of this, you know, the the smart city, because you're looking at the system of systems, which is either the transportation, the grid, you know, all kinds of infrastructure, the buildings, you got tons and tons of data and being able to segment it, being able to create this, you can say, this nexus of verses of metaverses, in which these DTs are playing right, which are deployed both at the edge and the cloud, allows you to create a seamless operation that actually can scale and deliver the value to the customers.
0: Thank you very much, Prasanta. And we also have some input from the audience. Thank you, Travis Shanahan. He says that tiny ML equals inference. Good for MCUs, federated ML can learn in the edge by exchanging parameters of the model rather than source data across edge nodes always impressed when our audience is very informed. And so next, we're going to watch a video with David Knight where he's going to tell us even more about data and how it's used for Las Vegas Smart City projects.
4: You're watching Living on the Edge. I'm Tiffany Nielsen and with me today is David Knight, the CEO of Turbine. How are you, David?
5: I'm doing very well, looking forward to the Event.
4: And David, can you tell us just a little bit about your background and expertise?
5: Certainly. Uh, my background starts with applied physics. Um, I've been involved with communications, messaging, sensor technology, and even aerospace for most of my life. And Turbine brings all of those skills and background experiences together in an attempt to build a global networking platform that rides on top of 5G for the Internet of Things.
4: And, David, can you tell us how exactly Turbine's using edge computing and how it's different than other traditional computing and processing?
5: Absolutely. So, in the Internet of Things, uh, many of the machines and devices that you need to communicate into and out of the big networks are going to need what they call very low latency. So, the time it takes to go from, say, a LiDAR, laser radar on top of a car. All the way to the cloud and all the way back, it's just too long. And that latency is, you know, could literally mean that a car could crash in the middle of the round trip of the data. So instead, with edge computing, the car is now talking to a processor that's right there at the cell tower or not too far away from the cell tower. And then you can round trip the data at very, very high speeds. And that is going to be really important for applications that are coming at us very soon, like drones for delivery, drones carrying humans, which is really happening, autonomous cars where you need to make split-second decisions in a processor, and probably my favorite is augmented reality, where we're gonna have newer phones, tablets, or even glasses that have a display in them. And you need the data that you see with your eyes to update at the speed of moving your head, and it'll remind you of a first-person shooter game that you might play at home, But it's going to be the real world.
4: Wow, that sounds very exciting. And it seems that you're making yourself at home in Las Vegas, but your data platform can be used anywhere, correct?
5: Anywhere in the world. In fact, uh, we started our company in San Francisco and then we moved it to Las Vegas, uh, which has been a really great experience. And we're working with the city of Las Vegas on building what are called digital twins and this is where we have perfect emulations of the landscape of the city that you can just dive right down into, and we bonded the digital twins with IoT data, Internet of Things data, and now you can fly around the streets virtually and see how many parking spots are over there, how much power is that block using, or what's the air quality at this spot, what's happening with the traffic, and it is really neat to be working with a city that is so progressive.
4: And are there any challenges that you've experienced or that you foresee with edge computing?
5: Well, I think one of the issues with edge computing so far has been it's been kind of bolted on to the existing cloud and telco systems. And that means that the data doesn't necessarily get processed right in the cell tower. That is now being fixed. A lot of companies, of course, telcos and the big cloud providers, are figuring all of that out. It has to do with new network architectures. But 5G is a progress, uh, work in progress. So 5G started out with, you know, really cool with my phone handset. We're now getting into sort of the commercial 5G, if you will, where individual devices or companies can have their own data streams. And once you, they're turning all that on now. And absolutely true, it'll work almost anywhere in the world.
4: Nice. And so how do you decide who owns the Smart City data? And, or who has access to it? and how it will be
5: used? That's a really good question. In developing the turbine platform, we had to spend a very large amount of energy, starting with the research. We went out and talked to lots of large organizations, you know, car companies, power companies, you name consumer electronics companies, cities, counties, states, federal agencies, and their counterparts in other countries, and said, what would it take for you to let the data out? Because it is not out right now on a scale. It's sort of held in what are, tens of thousands of silos. And we had to develop what's called a policy engine that uses machine learning, you know, form of artificial intelligence to allow, say, a car company to decide who can get what data under what circumstances, when. And then that opens the door to monetizing the data, which means that all of a sudden even a city can make money from the data that they're naturally generating.
4: Wow, that's great. I'm sure everyone in the audience that's in part with any city planning project, could be excited about that news. Definitely. And what about a tip, David? Can you give us a tip for someone that's looking to deploy Edge solutions?
5: You know, I think, first of all, uh, start small. Um, I wouldn't just create a topography that takes into account thousands of cell towers. It's really important to go really dig into what needs to have the low latency because Edge does have a, a you know cost, and... It's not just like the cloud with a rubber band attached you stretch over a neighborhood. It's a whole other set of servers, and from a technology standpoint, the network architecture behaves differently. But for applications like augmented reality or driving vehicles on the ground or in the sky, it is fantastic. And you actually couldn't do most of those things without edge computing. These are in lockstep as they all get deployed.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much, David, and we look forward to featuring you again on a future Industry Insights Webinars edition.
5: Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you.